0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Who decides what a community needs? Typically community development has been driven by philanthropists and city organizations. They're often in charge of deciding what, for example, a low income community of color needs and what priorities get funded. But for some community developers say that's starting to change in Chicago where black and brown residents are driving the changes that they want to see and they're making sure it's building wealth for residents, and enhancing their quality of life. Of course, money still needs to flow to these projects, and that's where Community Desk comes in. It's a community-based real estate development initiative on the south and west sides. Janae DeFell is the director, and she joins us for our weekly Chicago Innovator series to tell us more about how she's working to get more funding to communities that need it. Welcome, Janae. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's zoom out a little bit to start off. Tell us more about communities driving development, which is actually something that we're seeing nationally.
1: That is correct. Um, So what we're starting to see nationally, and I would say a lot of that has really stemmed from the George Floyd um, incident and a lot of the civil civil unrest that's happened over the course of the last few years. And I think the pandemic has really escalated sort of that need for communities to be in the driver's seat. And so we're starting to see nationally a lot of models and a lot of communities that are taking on creative ways to really start to acquire and assemble properties to really control their destiny.
0: How is it playing out here in Chicago?
1: So in Chicago, um, so it's playing out in a couple of different ways. Um, So I can definitely give kudos to the city of chicago because the the mayor's office has launched um a very organized um effort toward community wealth building um they've established a wealth building advisory council and has actually allocated uh 15 million dollars to really sort of support this work and then at the city level you're starting to see um various pockets of of, of groups across the city that are literally um, taking uh, taking the action into their own hands and they're starting to pool their capital to acquire property. So for example, there was a local group um, in South Shore that the residents of, of the Highlands um, in, near Jackson Park actually assembled um, local residents in that neighborhood, 28 residents, and they pulled their resources together and acquired a foreclosed property on 71st Street. And so by doing that, One, it's it's allowing those residents to directly own property, of which they can now control the types of tenants that are in there, both at the commercial level and at the residential level. But then it also is a direct revenue stream, and it's allowing those residents to actually build wealth through ownership.
0: You know, we know historic disinvestment from from redlining uh, is a, a persistent problem in black and brown communities here. The Urban Institute found that between 2011 and 2017, majority white neighborhoods in Chicago received almost five times as much market investment per household as majority black neighborhoods. And they received more than twice as much investment as majority Latino neighborhoods. Break that down for us, Janae. What does that look like on the ground
1: yeah, a g- great question um and I'm actually happy you raised that that statistic. Um so there there are a number of issues that I think are happening um, within these neighborhoods. One, there is a difference in how we how value is viewed in these neighborhoods. And so there is an immediate sense of um devalue from risk of violence. Um the income levels play a factor the perception of of wealth in those neighborhoods. And so in most cases, um investment is often steered because people um and investors in particular are very concerned about the risk that they may be taking in investing in those communities. You often see um in some of these communities there is a, a shift to do more larger scale social service-based projects. And those are projects that are definitely needed in these communities. But in reality, housing, schools, parks, um, jobs, those are all sort of baseline services that are needed in in these communities. But when you go beyond that and you look at uh, black and brown communities, there is a risk that they have to be willing to take to support that local bakery, um, to support that local entrepreneur. And it comes down to the value that they believe exists within those properties and the likelihood of those businesses being successful. And Mm -hmm. so what we have to start to do is we have to um, really understand that there's talent and opportunity in these neighborhoods and we have to move beyond investments that are safe bets. And those historically have been tax credit projects that you know, are layered with subsidies and, and 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 often are backed by government-based programs like um, affordable housing and um, you know different different um, hospital and clinic type of programs that come with federal funding that can guarantee a payment to an investor on a project and so this is the reason why you're starting to shift as we sort of alluded to earlier in the conversation of where the only way that communities can really transform those neighborhoods be- beyond those basic needs and take a risk in their own communities and transform these commercial corridors is, is that they have to actually own the as- the assets. The desk looked at the business licenses um, um, in two, January of 2021, and we noticed that there are close to three times more businesses on a per capita basis In Mm -hmm. zip code 60614 compared to 60621, which is Englewood. And part of that has to do, and almost a third of the business types actually exist in 2000, in, in 60621. And it has to do with if they can't get access to the capital and the communities don't control the properties, it's very difficult for us to start thinking about transforming communities. So residents are pooling their capital. And they are taking a bet and a risk on themselves by leveraging an alternative way of sourcing these projects to really transform those communities.
0: Let's talk more about the work that you're doing. The community desk looks to bridge the funding gap for for these real estate projects on the South and West sides. It's a relatively new initiative, Janae. How did it all come together? Mm
1: Sure. Sure. So the desk was formed in 2019 uh, in, through a partnership with the Chicago Community Trust, the Boston Consulting Group, and J.P. Morgan Chase, and it was really fostered out of some initial work that was performed uh, by BCG, which really looked at why communities um, are challenged by building robust project pipelines and really bringing these projects to life. So the the desk was formed to really do three things: advocate. Translate and connect. So what does that mean? On the advocacy level, we really sort of we work directly with funders and investors and lenders to really make sure that they understand the value in these communities, make the connection from what what's happening on the ground with these projects and how what they're what the community is looking to do is actually in alignment with what they're looking to support. We also do a lot of advocacy around changing the way that capital flows into these neighborhoods. So thinking more about creative alternative capital sources so that we can move beyond the traditional methods and and metrics of which how we've evaluated as to whether or not communities deserve uh, the funding. And then on the translation side, we really do work with communities directly to pitch their projects to funders and investors. And again, this is all about how are we... Connecting the dots, because I do truly believe that there are investors um, and funders out there who want to support community, but there is sort of a disconnect in understanding where the property, the projects are, and how can they lean in and support this work. So we really do spend a lot of time in trying to make that connection between the project and the and the funders. And then again, connection—we're all about connections. You know, we want to make sure that communities have access to the same resources. The mm-hmm. other neighborhood, more fluent neighborhoods have. And sometimes it really is about just being at the table, having a seat at the table. So we really do advocate and leaning, leaning in, leveraging our relationships with funders. You know, the Chicago Community Trust being one of them to make sure that those residents and those communities can be heard and that we are listening to what they need and what they want and supporting them and in, in making that happen.
0: This is Reset, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about community wealth building with Janae DeFell, Director of Community Desk for our weekly Chicago Innovator Series. So Janae, your neighborhood development initiative works very closely with three different organizations uh, in neighborhoods, uh, as you mentioned, that are in the city's Invest Southwest Corridor, right? And they're the ones that are most at risk for, for being gentrified. We're talking Humboldt Park, South Shore, and Inglewood. Tell us about the organizations that you're working with and how you chose them.
1: Sure. So let's start with Humble Park. Um, So we are working with the Puerto Rican Cultural Center, which is a long standing community organization well respected within Humble Park. And Humble Park is being challenged right now with gentrification. But they were also just recently awarded a state designation um, of a cultural district. And so what we want to make sure is to to protect the Puerto Rican population. And so we want to work very closely with them, specifically on Division Street, um, to help make sure that, one, they're protecting and preserving that culture and also making sure that it, there's affordable housing and direct opportunities for small businesses to actually own the spaces of which they are doing business so we want to arm um, uh, PRCC with the tools and the resources that they need to really support this work, but also move their uh, Puerto Rico Town initiative as part of the, the designation, move that forward and be successful in sort of making some of those larger initiatives happen under the Puerto Rico Town initiative. If we shift to uh, the South Shore neighborhood, you know, 71st yeah. Street and South Shore as a whole. Um, is a is a is a fluent middle income community. Historically, you know, it has been, you know, one of those neighborhoods right off the lake. There are pockets within South Shore, like the Highlands, um, where you have some really nice homes, solid, solid middle class families. But 71st Street is an example of where you have commercial properties that in some cases landlords are getting tax credits to really sit on the properties and so we're trying to work with again leaders in that area we're working with the south shore chamber cdc to really drive um economic development and specifically real estate development in sort of those key corridors on 71st street so what does that mean it's about understanding how to do real estate development how to make those connections how to pull together all the funding to make those projects happen, and so again, the more educated and the more armed these residents are to be sophisticated in capital markets, to to be sophisticated in real estate development, they're better positioned to negotiate when developers come into their communities. They're better positioned um, to sort of structure the deal making process of real estate, yeah. and so we want to really support them in doing that. And then finally in Inglewood, I mean, Inglewood is always in the news. I mean, they were recently in the news uh, for the closure of the Whole Foods, which was, which is an example of where you have very large, large scale development. And there was this expectation and hope that you were going to put this very large catalytic project in Inglewood and boom, development was going to happen. And that's not always the case in Mm -hmm. communities, because if you don't have the infrastructure in those communities, it doesn't matter if you put $50 million or $60 million on a site, it's a much bigger play. You have to have the infrastructure in place. And so in Inglewood, what we want to do as, as the city continues and stays committed to rebuilding that neighborhood, yeah. we want to make sure that there's folks on the ground that will continue those efforts after that big project is finished. I often call it the aftermath of the big bang. We don't often think about, what happens after you do a very large investment in a neighborhood? What is the plan for the aftermath? What is the plan for that 5,000 square foot mixed mm-hmm. use property that sits on the commercial corridor? How are we going to reactivate it? How are we going to pay to reactivate it? And so Inglewood is an example of where you know, there were efforts made, but we can't say that we actually pushed them over. And so we're hoping that the NDI program is going to put the skill sets around real estate directly into that neighborhood.
0: This is all fantastic. I wish we had more time. But in the seconds I have left here with you, Janae, tell folks listening now where they can learn more information about this work.
1: Sure. So you're welcome to visit our website, uh, community-chicago.org. Um, our detailed information about what we're up to and what we're doing can be found directly mm-hmm. on the website. And they can al- also email us directly. We, we're, we're definitely looking for thought partners. We're looking for investors and we're looking for communities that are really looking to do this work. So they can check our website out and they can also email us directly at info at community
0: Janae, what a pleasure. Janae DeFell, Director of Community Desk Chicago. Thank you so much for your time. Great work. Thank you for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.